Our goal that sent me to sleep is to help the world get a good night's rest. Everyone deserves that. So if you're enjoying the show, please make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. And if you have a moment, review the show on Apple Podcasts. All of this helps the show reach new listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the place to find a good night's rest. My name's Andrew. I'm here to calm your mind and help you relax into a peaceful night's sleep. I'm going to do that by reading you a story. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 22 and 23 of TikTok of Oz by L. Frank Baum. In the last chapter, Betsy and friends finally rescued Shaggy Man's brother from the metal forest. Tonight's story will be one of transformation, reformation, and commiseration. First, let's make sure we're as comfortable as we can be and ready to fall asleep. If you haven't already, find a nice place to get cosy. Be it in a chair, in your bed, or elsewhere. It's also important to make sure we're nicely warm during these cold winter nights. And if we find we don't have the means to do that, long, deep breaths are something that can sometimes help warm our bodies. We all fall asleep in our own time and in our own way. So while you're on your path to sleep tonight, all you'll need to do is follow the sound of my voice. And now, let your eyes fall heavy, and your breath soften, as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 22 Kindly Kisses Won't you be dreadfully sorry to leave this lovely place? Betsy asked the ugly one. No, indeed, said he. Jewels and gold are cold and heartless things, and I am sure I would presently have died of loneliness had I not found this natural forest at the edge of the artificial one. Anyhow, without these real trees, I should soon have starved to death. Betsy looked around at the quaint trees. I don't just understand that, she admitted. What could you find to eat here? The best food in the world, Ugly answered. Do you see that grove at your left? he added, pointing it out. Well, such trees as those do not grow in your country, or in any other place but this cavern, 
I have named them hotel trees because they bear a certain kind of table de haute fruit called three coarse nuts. That's funny, said Betsy. What are the three coarse nuts like? Something like coconuts to look at, explained the ugly one. All you have to do is to pick one of them and then sit down and eat your dinner. You first unscrew the top part and find a cup full of good soup. After you've eaten that, you unscrew the middle part and find a hollow filled with meat and potatoes, vegetables and fine salad. Eat that and unscrew the next section and you come to the dessert in the bottom of the nut. That is pie and cake, cheese and crackers, and nuts and raisins. The three coarse nuts are not all exactly alike in flavour or in contents, but they are all good, and in each one may be found a three-course dinner. But how about breakfast? inquired Betsy. Why, there are breakfast trees for that, which grow over there at the right. They bear nuts, like the others, only the nuts contain coffee or chocolate instead of soup, oatmeal instead of meat and potatoes, and fruit instead of dessert. Sad as has been my life in this wonderful prison, I must admit that no one could live more luxuriously in the best hotel in the world than I have lived here. But I will be glad to get into the open air again and see the good old sun and the silvery moon and the soft green grass and the flowers that are kissed by the morning dew. Ah, how much more lovely are those blessed things than the glitter of gems or the cold gleam of gold. Of course, said Betsy. I once knew a little boy who wanted to catch the measles, because all the little boys in his neighbourhood but him had it, and he was really unhappy, because he couldn't catch em, try as he would. So I'm pretty certain that things we want and can't have are not good for us, Isn't that true, Shaggy? Not always, my dear, he gravely replied. If we didn't want anything, we would never get anything, good or bad. I think our longings are natural, and if we act as nature prompts us, we can't go far wrong. For my part, said Queen Anne, I think the world would be a dreary place without the gold and jewels. All things are good in their way, said Shaggy, but we may have too much of a good thing, and I have noticed that the value of anything depends on how scarce it is and how difficult it is to obtain. Pardon me for interrupting you, said King Calico coming to their side. But now that we have rescued Shaggy's brother, I would like to return to my royal cavern. Being the king of the gnomes, 
it is my duty to look after my restless subjects and see that they behave themselves. So they all turned and began walking through the metal forest to the other side of the great domed cave, where they had first entered it. Shaggy and his brother walked side by side, and both seemed rejoiced that they were together after their long separation. Betsy didn't dare look at the polka dot handkerchief for fear she would laugh aloud, so she walked behind the two brothers and led Hank by holding fast to his left ear. When at last they reached the place where the passage led to the outer world, Queen Anne said, in a hesitating way that was unusual with her, I have not conquered this gnome country, nor do I expect to do so, but I would like to gather a few of these pretty jewels before I leave this place. Help yourself, ma'am, said King Calico, and at once the officers of the army took advantage of his royal permission and began filling their pockets, while Anne tied a lot of diamonds in a big handkerchief. This accomplished, they all entered the passage, the gnomes going first to light the way with their torches. They had not proceeded far, when Betsy exclaimed, Why, there are jewels here too. All eyes were turned upon the ground, and they found a regular trail of jewels strewn along the rock floor. This is queer, said Calico much surprised. I must send some of my gnomes to gather up these gems and replace them in the metal forest where they belong. I wonder how they came to be here. All the way along the passage they found this trail of jewels, but when they neared the end, the mystery was explained. For there, squatting upon the floor with his back to the rock wall, sat old Ruggedo, puffing and blowing, as if he was all tired out. Then they realised it was he who had scattered the jewels from his many pockets, which one by one had burst with the weight of their contents as he had stumbled along the passage. But I don't mind, said Ruggedo with a deep sigh. I now realise that I could not have carried such a weighty load very far, even had I managed to escape from the passage with it. The woman who sewed the pockets on my robe used poor thread, for which I shall thank her. Have you any jewels left? inquired Betsy. He glanced into some of the remaining pockets. A few, said he but they will be sufficient to supply my wants, and I no longer have any desire to be rich. If some of you will kindly help me to rise, I'll get out of here and leave you, for I know you all despise me and prefer my room to my company. Shaggy and Calico raised the old king to his feet when he was confronted by Shaggy's brother whom he now noticed for the first time. 
The queer and unexpected appearance of the ugly one so startled Ruggedo that he gave a wild cry and began to tremble, as if he had seen a ghost. Huh, huh, who is this? he faltered. I am that helpless prisoner whom your cruel magic transformed from a handsome man into an ugly one, answered Shaggy's brother in a voice of stern reproach. Really, Ruggedo, said Betsy, you ought to be ashamed of that mean trick. I am, my dear, admitted Ruggedo, who was now as meek and humble as formerly he had been cruel and vindictive. Then, returned the girl, you'd better do some more magic and give the poor man his own face back. I wish I could, answered the old king, but you must remember that Tititi Hoochoo has deprived me of all my magic powers. However, I never took the trouble to learn just how to break the charm I cast over Shaggy's brother, for I intended he should always remain ugly. Every charm, remarked pretty Polychrome, has its antidote. And if you knew this charm of ugliness, Regedo, you must have known how to dispel it. He shook his head. If I did, I've forgotten it, he stammered regretfully. Try to think, pleaded Shaggy anxiously. Please try to think. Regedo ruffled his hair with both hands, sighed slapped his chest, rubbed his ear, and stared stupidly around the group. I've a faint recollection that there was one thing that would break the charm, said he. But misfortune has so addled my brain that I can't remember what it was. See here, Ruggedo, said Betsy sharply. We've treated you pretty well so far, but we won't stand for any nonsense, and if you know what's good for yourself, you'll think of that charm. Why? he demanded, turning to look wonderingly at the little girl. Because it means so much to Shaggy's brother. He's dreadfully ashamed of himself, the way he is now, and you're to blame for it. Fact is, Ruggedo, you've done so much wickedness in your life that it won't hurt you to do a kind act now. Ruggedo blinked at her and sighed again, and then tried very hard to think. I seem to remember, dimly, said he, that a certain kind of kiss will break the charm of ugliness. What kind of kiss? What kind? Why, it was, it was, it was either the kiss of a mortal maid, or, or, the kiss of a mortal maid who had once been a fairy, or, or, the kiss of one who is still a fairy. I can't remember which. But of course, no maid, mortal or fairy, 
would ever consent to kiss a person so ugly, so dreadfully, fearfully, terribly ugly as Shaggy's brother. I'm not so sure of that, said Betsy, with admirable courage. I'm a mortal maid, and if it is my kiss that will break this awful charm, I'll do it. Oh, you really couldn't, protested Ugly. I would be obliged to remove my mask, and when you saw my face, nothing could induce you to kiss me, generous as you are. Well, as for that, said the little girl, I needn't see your face at all. Here's my plan. You stay in this dark passage, and we'll send away the gnomes with their torches. Then you'll take off the handkerchief, and I, I'll kiss you. This is awfully kind of you, Betsy, said Shaggy, gratefully. Well, it surely won't kill me, she replied. And if it makes you and your brother happy, I'm willing to take some chances. So Calico ordered the torchbearers to leave the passage, which they did by going through the rock opening. Queen Anne and her army also went out, but the others were so interested in Betsy's experiment that they remained grouped at the mouth of the passageway. When the big rock swung into place, closing tight the opening, they were left in total darkness. Now then, called Betsy in a cheerful voice, have you got that handkerchief off your face, ugly? Yes, he replied. Well, where are you then? she asked, reaching out her arms. Here, said he. You'll have to stoop down, you know. He found her hands and clasped them into his own, stooped until his face was near to that of the little girl. The others heard a clear, smacking kiss, and then Betsy exclaimed, There, I've done it, and it didn't hurt a bit. Tell me, dear brother, is the charm broken? asked Shaggy. I do not know, was the reply. It may be, or it may not be. I cannot tell. Has anyone a match? inquired Betsy. I have several, said Shaggy. Then let Ruggedo strike one of them and look at your brother's face while we all turn our backs. Ruggedo made your brother ugly so I guess he can stand the horror of looking at him if the charm isn't broken. Agreeing to this, Ruggedo took the match and lighted it. He gave one look, then blew out the match. Ugly as ever, he said with a shudder. So it wasn't the kiss of a mortal maid after all. Let me try proposed the Rose Princess in her sweet voice. I am a mortal maid who was once a fairy. Perhaps my kiss will break the charm. Files did not wholly approve of this, but he was too generous to interfere. 
So the rose princess felt her way through the darkness to Shaggy's brother and kissed him. Ruggedo struck another match while they were all turned away. No, announced the former king. That didn't break the charm either. It must be the kiss of a fairy that is required, or else my memory has failed me altogether. Polly, said Betsy, pleadingly, won't you try? Of course I will, answered Polychrome, with a merry laugh. I've never kissed a mortal man in all the thousands of years I've existed, but I'll do it to please our faithful shaggy man, whose unselfish affection for his ugly brother deserves to be rewarded. Even as Polychrome was speaking, she tripped lightly to the side of the ugly one and quickly touched his cheek with her lips. Oh, thank you, thank you, he fervently cried. I've changed this time, I know, I can feel it, I'm different. Shaggy dear, Shaggy, I'm myself again. Files, who was near the opening, touched the spring that released the big rock, and it suddenly swung backwards and let in a flood of daylight. Everyone stood motionless, staring hard at Shaggy's brother, who, no longer masked by the polka dot handkerchief, met their gaze with a glad smile. Well, said Shaggy Man, breaking the silence at last and drawing a long, deep breath of satisfaction. You are no longer the ugly one, my dear brother, but, to be entirely frank with you, the face that belongs to you is no more handsome than it ought to be. I think he's rather good-looking, remarked Betsy, gazing at the man critically. In comparison with what he was, said King Calico, he is really beautiful. You, who never beheld his ugliness, may not understand that, but it was my misfortune to look at the ugly one many times, and I say again that, in comparison with what he was, the man is now beautiful. All right, returned Betsy. Briskly. We'll take your word for it, Calico. And now, let us get out of this tunnel and into the world again. Chapter 23 Regedo Reforms It did not take long to regain the royal cavern of the Gnome King where Calico ordered served to them the nicest refreshments the place afforded. Ruggedo had come trailing along after the rest of the party, and while no one paid any attention to the old king, they did not offer any objection to his presence or command him to leave them. He looked fearfully to see if the eggs were still guarding the entrance, but they had now disappeared. So he crept into the cavern after the others and humbly squatted down in a corner of the room. There, 
Betsy discovered him. All the little girl's companions were now so happy at the success of Shaggy's quest for his brother, and the laughter and merriment seemed so general that Betsy's heart softened towards the friendless old man who had once been their bitter enemy, and she carried to him some of the food and drink. Regedo's eyes filled with tears at the unexpected kindness. He took the child's hand in his own and pressed it gratefully. Look here, Calico, said Betsy, addressing the new king. What's the use of being hard on Regedo? All his magic power is gone, so he can't do any more harm and I'm sure he's sorry he acted so badly to everyone. Are you? asked Calico, looking down at his former master. I am, said Ruggedo. The girl speaks truly. I'm sorry, and I'm harmless. I don't want to wander through the wide world, on top of the ground, for I'm a gnome. No gnome can ever be happy any place but underground. That being the case, said Calico, I will let you stay here as long as you behave yourself, but if you try to act badly again, I shall drive you out, as Tititihuchu has commanded, and you'll have to wander. Never fear, I'll behave, promised Ruggedo. It is hard work being a king, and harder still to be a good king. But now that I am a common gnome, I'm sure I can lead a blameless life. They were all pleased to hear this, and to know that Ruggedo had really reformed. I hope he'll keep his word, whispered Betsy to Shaggy, but if he gets bad again... We will be far away from the Gnome Kingdom, and Calico will have to tend to the old gnome himself. Polychrome had been a little restless during the last hour or two. The lovely daughter of the Rainbow knew that she had now done all in her power to assist her Earth friends, and so she began to long for her sky home. I think, she said, after listening intently, that it is beginning to rain. The Rain King is my uncle, and perhaps he has read my thoughts and is going to help me. Anyway, I must take a look at the sky and make sure. So she jumped up and ran through the passage to the outer entrance, and they all followed after her and grouped themselves on a ledge of the mountainside. Sure enough, Dark clouds had filled the sky, and slow, drizzling rain had set in. It can't last for long, said Shaggy, looking upward. And when it stops, we shall lose the sweet little fairy we have learned to love. Alas, he continued, after a moment, the clouds are already breaking in the west, and, see, isn't that the rainbow coming? Betsy didn't look at the sky. She looked at Polychrome, whose happy, smiling face 
surely foretold the coming of her father to take her to the cloud palaces. A moment later, a gleam of sunshine flooded the mountain and a gorgeous rainbow appeared. With a cry of gladness, Polychrome sprang up a point of rock and held out her arms. Straightway, the rainbow descended until its end was at her very feet, when with a graceful leap she sprang upon it and was at once clasped in the arms of her radiant sisters, the daughters of the rainbow. But Polychrome released herself to lean over the edge of the glowing arch and nod and smile and throw a dozen kisses to her late comrades. Goodbye, she called, and they all shouted goodbye in return and waved their hands to their pretty friend. Slowly the magnificent bow lifted and melted into the sky until the eyes of the earnest watchers saw only fleecy clouds flitting across the blue. I'm dreadfully sorry to see her go, said Betsy, who felt like crying. But I suppose she'll be a good deal happier with her sisters in the sky palaces. To be sure, returned Shaggy, nodding gravely. It's her home. It's her home, you know, and those poor wanderers who, like ourselves, have no home, can realise what that means to her. Once, said Betsy, I too had a home. Now, I've only, only, dear old Hank. She twinned her arms around her shaggy friend, who was not human, and he said, Hee-haw, in a tone that showed he understood her mood. And the shaggy friend, who was human, stroked the child's head tenderly, and said, You're wrong about that, Betsy dear. I will never desert you. Nor I, exclaimed Shaggy's brother in earnest tones. The little girl looked up at them gratefully, and her eyes smiled through their tears. All right, she said. It's raining again, so let's go back into the cavern. Rather somberly, for all loved Polychrome and would miss her, they re-entered the dominions of the Gnome King.